0: Super Scoreboard, the old firm through the decades. The Old Firm Through The Decades Reaches The Millennium I'm Hugh Kevens. It would be fairer to call it The Stranglehold 33 competitions played In the first decade of the 21st century 29 of them won by Celtic or Rangers Hearts and Dundee United Got a Scottish Cup each Hibbs and Livingston won the League Cup Beyond that Glasgow's Big Two Had it all their own way Helped immensely by The goals of John Hartson, and the Welsh Dragon and Peter Lovenkrantz, the Danish destroyer. 54 goals in 182 appearances for Peter at Rangers. A remarkable 109 goals for Celtic in 201 appearances for John Hartson. Delighted to say they're with me today to look back on a period when Rangers and Celtic were dominant at home and both reached a European final as well. John Hartson, it was some decade for the pair of you.
1: Yes, it was. It was a... When I, um, when I joined Celtic in 2001, we went on to be quite successful. I'm and, and proud to be getting there, of course. The, they won the treble in uh, the year 2000, but I, of course, I didn't join in so 2001. I, I was going into a fantastic dressing room. Great, great players. A team full of internationals. And a wonderful uh, manager in Martin O'Neill That
0: success down, down south, of course. Peter, before John got here... From down south You had already played In an Old Firm game The first one of Martin O'Neill's time At Celtic I have to remind you It was <laughs> 6-2 for Celtic
2: Yeah I, I don't forget that one Too much to be fair um, uh, It was a—it uh, was not the best of uh, First taste of Old Firm For me You know um, <laughs> I remember I think Celtic went 3-0 up After about 15 minutes Yeah And the Gapocat Told me to warm up And I basically Warm up the whole game um, Half time through the whole second half and he keeps sending players down to put them on in front of me and I kept warming up and I, in the end I just stood in there and I watched the game and he put me on I think the last couple of minutes uh, it
0: was uh, a yeah, it was not a ideal game for me the first to experience of firm but the yeah. next game Peter yeah Rangers won five one against Celtic at Ibrox that that sums mm. up just how unpredictable this fixture can mm. be yeah
2: it's very unpredictable but also it was two good teams at a time you know it was some unbelievable dressing rooms in both in both clubs so it was just a, a very even competition you know between the two teams and uh, you know but them going beating us there uh, at home 6-2 and we beating them 5-1 at home they just showed you that there was not much in between the two teams
0: When Peter speaks about two great dressing rooms John your dressing room as well as including your good self had the likes of Chris Sutton and Henrik Larsson. Did you ever see a better player than Henrik? Well, he's a phenomenal player. But I've got to, I've got to say, you know, I,
3: I, I, played with some great players before arriving at Celtic. I played with the great Dennis Bergkamp at Arsenal for two years. I played with Ryan Giggs and Mark Hughes and these type of players for Wales, for my national team. But Henrik was uh, an absolute phenomenon. He really was. He's... His goal-scoring exploits, his record is is is, um, is off the scale, really. Uh, he was a wonderful, wonderful athlete, um, great teammate. Down the left-hand side, it's Thompson sending the ball into the middle. No takers, though. The ball's still in play, and it's another goal for Celtic. It's Henrik Larsson again. The ball went beyond everyone, and Larsson come in on the far side and sent it high into the roof of the net. He is certainly, you know, up there with with one of the some of the best players I ever played with. Us. It's difficult who because if I'm in Glasgow and I get asked this question at various um, events, if I'm in Glasgow or Scotland, I say Henrik, and if I'm in England or anywhere else, I say Dennis, just to uh, <laughs> keep on the side of it on the right side of everybody. But no, they were inseparable. They were both world class. Dennis Bergkamp was was incredible, and and Henrik was um, you know I call him a freak of nature because it's almost impossible to score the amount of goals, you know, 242 goals in 315 games. And, um, you know, that, that is just freakish. But he was a wonderful, wonderful striker for three seasons. We played together. And, um, you know, he's one of them players that I will always, I will always, as as my life goes on, I'll be asked about how good he was. And yeah. my answer is always the same. He was, he was world-class.
0: I have to ask you, John, uh, you and Peter could actually have been teammates because, as everyone recalls, you actually had a medical at Rangers before you ended up at Celtic. How do you reflect on that period now?
3: Well, everything happens for a reason. I've,
0: um, I've learned that
3: in terms of um, experiences that I've gone through in my life, you know, with my cancer in particular. Um, you know, I just feel that um, I, I was meant to live, I wasn't meant to die because I should have died because my prognosis was, was so bad. I'd had testicular cancer that spread to my lungs and onto my brain and had to have 60-odd sessions of chemotherapy, and <clears throat> I feel very blessed to have come through that period. Um, and I've gone on to raise over a million pounds um, for the John Hartson Foundation. So we've been able to help so many other people uh, in their battle and different hospices and cancer hospitals and things like this with our donations that we've been able to to make um, to certain uh, charities. So when I went for a, a medical at Rangers, I was very excited. I uh, flew up into David Murray's private jet from Cardiff. I was in the middle of a Welsh camp and Mark Hughes came to see me and said, look, you can miss this weekend's game. I think it was a year away. You go and sort out your future. Um, there's a bid come through. Uh, a telegram had come to the reception to say that Rangers were wanted to speak to John Hartson urgently. Um, I phoned my dad, we flew up in, in the private jet. We arrived in Glasgow airport 40 minutes later. I was ushered through to Ibrox. And then um, during the next half an hour, I was taken to a hospital in Glasgow uh, for, for one scan on my knee. And then I came back. I'd already agreed terms with... Um, uh, Mr. David Murray, of course, um, who was chairman at the time. Dick Advocat was manager. And um, I'd agreed terms. It was happening. All I had to do was, was just get one or two um, x-rays. I got them on my knee. I came back. I'm sat in a room with Mr. Dick Advocat, um, excited, obviously, because I'm joining a you know, Rangers football club. I, I'd only been to Scotland once in my life. I didn't have any allegiances towards either club uh, growing up in Wales. And um, next thing I know, the the Dick Advocates doctor came into the room and said, I'm very sorry, boss, we can't proceed with the deal. There's something showed up on John's knee that is preventing us from completing the medical. And I I can't sign this off because it's, you know, it's his duty to, to call the medicals. He's a doctor, he's a professional. And um, the next thing, they got the advocate's apologising sincerely to me and saying, look, I really wanted you here, um, but I have to listen to my doctor. I, I have to go with my staff. Ten minutes later, I'm back on the plane and I'm back down to Swansea. That, that's literally what happened in a nutshell.
0: Jordan, we are delighted to hear that your, your health is good and you have survived everything. Does this help you to see football in a proper perspective?
3: Well, football to me, who hey, I, I always loved playing the game, I always loved enjoying. You know, I, I played on, kicked the ball around on the streets as a, as a kid in that council house where I, where I lived on the council estate in Swansea. And then I was one of the fortunate ones to be to be able to be offered an apprenticeship at 16 years of age so I didn't have to go through all the college and uh, get my qualifications um, in terms of getting another job I was able to do something that I that I loved doing or ever since I was a kid I was very fortunate to, to have had that uh, opportunity and then my career then went went from strength to strength I, I progressed I joined some huge clubs I went for record transfer fees but football now for me it's I enjoy working on football and things like that but i've also now got got different perspectives i've got different priorities as well in terms of my children my health i've been very very fortunate to have come through a life-threatening illness which nearly took my life and it does take many people's lives so i count myself very very fortunate and it's football used to be Absolutely, the be all and the end all. But there's other things. There's my children's schooling, and two of my children. My daughter is living in Australia. She's travelling. She's only 21. My other son, who's 17, lives with his mother in in South Wales. So it's it's family and it's perspective and it's the simple things now, you know. And it's, you know, I've been a pundit for the last 12, 13 years since I retired. So. I don't know how long I'm going to want to be a pundit, and 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 how long I'm going to stay in this business, because there's other there's other people coming through all the time. You know, there's there's a couple of thousand footballers retire every year. Most of them, a lot of them, are looking to go into the media. Um, editors change, producers change, and they want to bring in their own people. And I've had a great run at it. I'm still working for Sky and I do the odd bits and bobs with the Welsh TV I'm down in um, I'm down in North Wales on Wednesday covering the Wales the Bulgaria Wales game so there's more to life now than just getting up in the morning and going training and you know and and training hard and then concentrating on the game at the weekend it was everything to me i wanted to win i wanted to compete i wanted to be the best but now As you retire and other things, and life changes, and you go on, um, you know, I've got a different perspective now, and I'm a lot, I'm a lot um, more easier going in life. I love my family. I live in a little small village just outside Edinburgh, and um, all I want to do here is, is, is put food on the table for my kids, and hopefully they'll all stay healthy and successful in life, and go on to do what they want to do and that's that's how I am now mm. whereas before it was football 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 it, it it could take over your life which is not a bad thing you have to be like that when you're yeah. a footballer you know you you have to just think of football because that's what pays the bills that's what you're that's why you know fans come and see you you have a duty to give everything you have while you, while you're contracted to that club and that's what I did for the best part of 17 18 years but now I'm out of the game you know, I'm still in the game indirectly, if you like, working in the media. But you're absolutely spot on.
0: I have got a different perspective now of the game to when I was playing it. Peter, you arrived here from Denmark as a, a very young man. Uh, I would imagine moving into an environment that was literally alien to you. How did you adapt to Glasgow.
2: Um, yeah, to be fair, I was also a bit fortunate because two weeks before I signed for Rangers, my brother had signed for St Johnston. Um, so I had my brother fifteen minute drive away up in Perth, you know, and he's just had a wee boy, um, and he moved there with his wife. So every, every day after training, basically, I just drove up to him, and that kind of helped me settle in. And I had him for three years in Glasgow, so it made it a lot easier than people probably expect. They, ne- they never really. Thought about that That I had my actual Big brother uh, There to look after me And help me settle in so.
0: how, how did you respond To the the unique Rivalry That is Celtic and Rangers
2: <laughs> I bet John could probably Back me up on this I don't think you would Experience anything like it Unless you're actually In it yourself You know it's You hear people talk about it You, you hear other footballers Talk about it The clubs I've been at um, But Nothing compares to it, you know, everywhere I went since Glasgow, you know, I went to to Schalke and they were like, oh, Dortmund Schalke, the biggest derby, and I went, no, this is, it doesn't even come close, you know, it's, uh, and then you go to Newcastle and it was Sunderland, and that was still a big derby, it was definitely, but it, it doesn't come close to the old firm, the old firm is, is beyond anything I've experienced, I've never seen all that as well, and uh, like I say, you don't you don't know how it is until you actually experience it yourself.
0: Swansea and Cardiff can get a bit tasty, John, but uh, anything like Celtic and Rangers?
3: Well, I, I've been to several Swansea-Cardiff games and <clears throat> obviously there's a lot of rivalry there, biggest club in Wales, most successful club, this, that and the other. Um, you know, and I, I stood on the terraces uh, watching that game and I had some sort of feel of what it meant to the Swansea supporters, being a Swansea fan. And, That was the biggest game that you wanted to win all season. I'm not saying you wanted to lose all the others. Of course, you want to be competitive in every game. Get as high up as the table as you can. But I got a perspective of what it means to the supporters. And um, it's a game for the supporters, this one. It's the bragging rights. It's, um, it's, It's having that sense of you've won a massive game and... It's like a bolt of electricity that runs through the whole football club when you win a Celtic and Rangers derby. When you lose, it's like someone has pulled the plug on the club. It's not a nice place to go into. The atmosphere is down. It's low. You're low in yourself because you feel as if you've let the supporters down. This game is about the supporters They want to win these games and um, they're fantastic games. I agree with everything that, that, that Peter just said. They had a great experience, but the emphasis on winning these games is so important that outsiders have no idea what it means to win this particular football club and get them
0: three points for your supporters. You and Peter had a habit, very pleasant habit, of scoring winning goals in the derby matches. Do you remember, John, your first game against Rangers? I do. It was at Ibrox. And I scored a
3: perfectly good goal. And the linesman was too inept to give the correct decision. And he choked off what was a perfectly good goal for me. I think we drew the game nil-nil, my first ever experience at Ibrox. And um, that was disappointing, obviously. But I think after three or four games, derbies, I started to enjoy them then. Because what you find is, is that your big players, your first name on the team sheets, you've probably got about six or seven of them in each team that the manager wants to rely on and the big players step up in these games. The big players have to control their nerves, control the dressing room, control the pace of the game, control, you know, deal with the crowd, the atmosphere, the abuse that is coming from the terraces, you know, the absolute for of an atmosphere. The big players the manager is counting on them to make it happen. And I was one of them big players in that Celtic dressing room alongside the likes of Larson and Lennon and Thompson and Rialbi and these other guys and Sutton, of course. So for me, I started to enjoy them then because we started to get a little bit of success Mm. in these games. And, uh, Once we started to get a bit of success and I started to get a few goals, your big players score in the big games. That's what they do. That's why they're on the big wages. That's why they cost a big fee in transfer fees. And the manager is looking at these players to bring in the other two or three uh, players that are not quite maybe experienced as the others. The one or two that are playing their first game and all this sort of stuff. So once I started to get a feel for them, I, I, I don't know about Peter, but I, I genuinely then used to look forward to them. Yeah. I, I thought they were great experiences. And I can say now I'm very fortunate as one of the players to have played in 20-odd derbies, the Glasgow derby, that I feel I can come away and say, well, do you know what? I enjoyed them, and that's because I was successful in them. Mm.
0: Peter, you once had the potentially life-changing experience of scoring the winning goal in a cup final against Celtic. How did that try? I know who. I played in it. <laughs> how, how did, what Still, did I, I get sleepless nights over it. <laughs> John says he get sleepless nights. I dare say you couldn't get to sleep simply through excitement and that sense of satisfaction. Yeah it was
2: uh, Yeah it was crazy um, It was I, also the build up to it I remember you know I scored in the Celtic Park Before it drew one each uh-huh. uh, scored in that And that was not too far Before that game
3: And here come Rangers now It's uh, on The edge of the area Trying one And it's in the back of the net Just over a minute gone here And a cartwheel From the Rangers player What a start at Celtic Park Lovencrans Driving the ball forward Right over Douglas Into the back of the net And here at Parkhead It's Celtic nil,
2: Rangers 1 I remember going into it I was so nervous For some reason I was so nervous And <laughs> It's a funny story I was sitting in the change room And When I get nervous I yawned <laughs> So People think I hadn't slept last the night before Because I was sitting yawning And think I was tired And I remember Barry Ferguson Come up to me And he's like What's up with you He said so, You know, sleep last night and I was like No I said, I'm just a bit nervous And he's like You'll be fine he, says, and he just talked me into it And talked me into the game And As soon as I went out As soon as we came out And Warm up was done, and you went on the pitch. Everything just went out, out the window, and I was I was ready to go. Um, but like I say, it's now looking bad. I don't know if John's thing, but because he was on the losing side of it, it's probably different from him. But when I look at it, and I must think people from the outside who wasn't anything to do with Stilton Green, it must have been one of the best football games, to have watched. Um, yeah. You know, but how it went end to end, I think it was the most equal game you've seen in a long time. You know, it's, they went one up, we went one each, and then they went two up speaking back to 2-2 and then winning the last minute it was a very, very exciting and good football game to be to be part of for also a neutral point of view I would think for the football world but for me personally uh, you know, 22 years old scoring the winning goal against Celtic I had no idea how what I've actually done until probably after it and you see years to come and even if now it's still what everybody talks about, and you realise what you actually did back then was was crazy. What
0: is the fan reaction both ways? What, what yeah. How did that transform you in the eyes of the Rangers fans, and what did it do for you in the eyes of the Celtic fans in Glasgow? Um,
2: interestingly enough, you know, I had uh, because, like I said, I scored the part of goal at Park and we drew one each before the cup final. Um, I received a, a, a special letter, you would say, <laughs> uh, at the training ground. Basically, uh, having a, a bullet inside and telling me not to. If I did if the score, I couldn't do my catwheel. Uh-huh. Um, and that would probably be my last and the rest of it. And uh, so, if you noticed, uh, in the cup final when I scored, I didn't do the catwheel <laughs> 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 in both goals. Um, it was basically just, uh, yeah, it went out the window. So, it was uh, from both things, you know, it meant so much, you know. I had. Positive and negative things with Rangers fans, of course, it took to another scale with me, you know, from, from going from uh, a young boy to really, really noticed, noticed to basically couldn't go anywhere without getting stopped and photos and autographs and fantastic. And Celtic fans was, of course, not too happy with me. I had a lot yeah. of abuse and the rest. But to be fair, there was also a lot of Celtic fans, you know, that was, that was great with me, you know, just they were like, oh honestly hate you but in a good way you know, yeah. it was just like you're a thorn in our sides but they were dead nice about it and they were just like I wish you were with us and, and you know I mean that's just what comes with it but yeah it's a young age you realise that it was, uh, it was something to get used to
0: John if people in England or Wales listened to Peter and his story there about a, a bullet in a letter sent to the training mm-hmm. yard, they would think no that, that couldn't <laughs> happen but did you ever experience that side of life in the Glasgow goldfish bowl
3: I, I was lucky who i i never did uh and i'm sorry to hear that what, what happened there to peter because that that must not be nice at all um not a very nice experience uh no i i never got it um you know as um dramatic as you know as as what that sounds what happened to peter but listen, you you get the verbals and you know i'm on social media now and you have to put up with certain things and people say and things like that Um, but no I um, you know the the one thing that one thing that that I I took from you know scoring in 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 the in the games against Rangers was it's almost like you get the keys to one half of the city you know you 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 adhere yourself to the Celtic fans forever um, in terms of what, what what it gives them
1: you know and this is this is all over the world and Rangers fans are the same. You know, they're, they're a huge club all over the world. You look at North America, Canada, New York, everywhere in Ireland. You know, everywhere you think. Oh, this this game goes out to, I think it's 300 countries um, mm-hmm. that 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 watch this particular game. Different times, obviously, of the day in relation to where you, where, you, where you live. Um, but I wouldn't say I was um, I, I got it too badly in terms of um, abuse and everything else. But I think it's, it's part and parcel of, you know, you can't score the winning goal against Rangers in, in, uh, in, in, a, in a derby and expect the Rangers fans to buy you, to buy you lunch the next day. <laughs> it, it just don't happen like that, you know. Um, so as much as you're revered and you're worshipped and loved by one half of the city, you know, there's there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of n- nice feelings towards you from the other half, and I think everybody who joins <coughs> Celtic or Rangers has to appreciate and has to get that pretty early. You know, in in their careers in Scottish football, you know, the fans are, are, are very volatile. Um, and, you know, you've just got to deal with that side of it. You really have. This game is not for shrinking violence. You know, it's not for the faint-hearted. You've got to be strong mentally. You, you've got to be able to cope with certain things of your life. It's not like playing for Arsenal or Chelsea, where you can walk down the King's Road and bump into Rod Stewart or Fayette or go to Harrods, and all these superstars are in there. People walk past them. People see it all the time in London. You walk into Glasgow, and Peter would have experienced it. You've got people following you, chasing you, um, wanting an autograph. You walk into a restaurant, the the chef comes out and says, "Look, Mr. Hudson, my son has got a picture of you on his bedroom wall. Oh, you don't have to pay for this meal. It's all on me." You know, so you get you get you get your luxuries and you get your pros and cons. But it's a very unique place to play your football for Celtic or Rangers, especially if you've got a long spell like I did, stay long, even five years. But it's a unique place to play, and you've got to get used to that um, before you take it on. You know, some players come not aware. I wasn't aware of it. Certainly aware of it now because um, I live in Edinburgh and I'm close to everything.
0: Um, but it certainly is. It's wonderful. It's, it's a brilliant experience. You, John, and Peter came at a time when there were two great managers operating in the city, Dick Advocat at Rangers, Martin O'Neill at Celtic. Now, when Martin came to Celtic Park, it was like the coming of a king, John, if you remember. Uh, How how unique a personality was Martin O'Neill?
3: He's certainly different, but he's very loyal. He's a very loyal man. If you played well for him and gave him everything, you wore the shirt the next game. And vice versa, if you, if you, if you didn't play for him and you weren't successful under him and you didn't perform the way that he expected you to, then he would quickly bring you out of the team. Um, but if you did very well uh, and he expected you to, to do the things that you could do and do them well, <clears throat> He never expected me to run the channels. That that wasn't my game. That was Henrik's game. That was Craig Bellamy's game to play on the shoulders of, of the defenders and running behind. He knew I couldn't do that. He knew that wasn't my that wasn't my one of my assets on the field. My assets were be aggressive, controlled aggression, be a focal point for the team, get a hold of the ball when the ball comes into you, get a hold of it. For a couple of seconds to allow us to come up the pitch as a team get yourself in the box you're an excellent finisher you're a natural finisher we have to supply you with crosses and balls into the box and we've got players to do that and that was my job to do what i was good at which was them assets that i had and He knew Neil Lennon couldn't run in behind and do this and do that. But what Neil did was intercept, kept the ball, and he was wonderful in the dressing room. He glued us all together. When somebody wasn't having a good game, he'd either pat him on the back or give him a rollicking. He knew that Bobo Baldi's asset was to go and head the ball and be aggressive. JJ Agat was to get up and down the line and make sure that he got crosses in and he got back and defended. These are, the, these are the things that managers expect from their top players. Oh. And he was fair. He was really fair with me. Remember, I'd failed four medicals before coming to Celtic. So Martin put a lot of faith in me. And obviously, I came back with 110 goals for him. So um, it, was a, it was a brilliant relationship I had with Martin. I, I get on with him a lot more now, strangely <laughs> enough, than when I played under him because he doesn't quite let you in. You don't really know his personality or what he's thinking or what he's what he's going to do next. He keeps you on the outside, if you like, when you're playing under him. But now, of course, he comes and plays in my golf day every year. He comes and supports my, my charity lunch and everything. And I sit next to him now and we have a chat and we talk football, we talk all days and everything. But uh, no, he's a wonderful manager. Uh, he's able to handle all the big egos. Very similar to Sir Alex Ferguson at Man United when all sorts of different players come um, from different countries and some have got massive egos, some are quite humble. You have to deal with that. But no, nothing but um, an extraordinary man and a very successful manager to go with it.
0: old firm through the decades.